my child or our family member is doing so much better and you walk in and you get hugs and you know you get christmas cards and just really the, that human connection is just really kind of yeah. what grabbed me as uh, you know because we talk about indoor air quality it's more than that we are changing environments completely Good morning, John. Welcome to Rep Talk. Hey, thanks for having me. What part of the world are you in? Every time I talk to you, I always get excited to hear where you are because you're like a mobile. You're just you're everywhere. Where are you? Well, where are you? I, I am actually at home. Oh, good believe, for you. Believe it or not, and uh, <laughs> I live uh, I live in the mountains of northern New Mexico. You know, my wife and I live in a cabin, and uh, we woke up to snow again this morning and snowing and uh, gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. so I live uh, I live in a forest uh, in, in the mountains. So quite, quite a different way of life. So there's abundance of fresh air where you live. <laughs> Probably. Yes, yes absolutely. Nice. We, we are devoid of smog. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that had a bearing on when you were choosing your, your, your New Mexico spot. <laughs> oh, wow. So let's, uh, you know, let our uh, viewers and listeners, if you will, tell us your story. Like I'm really interested, you know, uh, you and I have known each other for a, a little while now, and I, I, I know your background, but share how I'm curious to know, how did you actually get started specifically in the air door, indoor air quality arena? Like what, what brought you to indoor air quality? Yeah, it's, um, it, it was quite organic actually. Uh, not really intentional. I didn't like wake up one day and say, hey, I'm gonna be an IAQ guy. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been in the HVAC industry now for you know 40 plus years. And um, I own my, uh, a contracting business in California. And uh, uh, on my vans, it didn't say it was my company was SoCal Air Dynamics. So you see the air dynamics thing, uh, the SoCal Air Dynamics. And on my vans, it didn't say heating and air conditioning. It said performance contracting. Okay. So I've been in the performance realm of things for many, many years and doing uh, building science like back before it was cool. And so uh, and then in my business, so we did we did high end, uh, you know, high design you know, systems uh, and my marketplace uh, being, you know, LA County, we did like Beverly Hills and some a very high end uh, clients mm -hmm. and we, you know, along with everything else. So, you know, with maintenance and service and, 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 the, and the likes, but um, during the energy game in the early eighties, uh, a lot of guys were becoming hers raiders to do third party well, I took it a different direction. While they were all doing that, I went towards the performance side and I got air balance certified. And so in doing that, I started doing commissioning units. And then later on, I became a HERS Raider and got into that game as well. Okay. But in doing that and commissioning buildings, uh, that really kind of kind of sharpened my skills on what building performance and HVAC performance really looked like. And so, uh, and I've been, uh, I've been a, a practitioner of National Comfort Institute, NCI's methodology mm -hmm. for a very long time. But in doing commissioning, I got to do hospitals and surgery centers and, and um, clinics and stuff like that. And looking at what kind of parameters they needed to meet um, just kind of got me going in that direction. And, and then um, 
I got involved with a with a filter manufacturer. They're from Switzerland, and uh, that's all I'll, I'll say about them. I mean, mm-hmm. gr- great product. Uh, I'm not here to plug products, but uh, yeah. they're great product. And so I got involved with them when they first came to the United States, and really just took their product and ran with it. And then uh, they uh, they brought me on to start doing all their special projects. And then those that led to working with with uh, families and kids that were you know compromised, and so then I had to start really learning. But really, what launched my career? So after several years of that, yeah. working with those kind of clients, yeah. um, and, and incorporating the building science aspect and mechanical part of what I already knew as far as airflow and and building performance. Um, Several years of that, there was an opportunity from the South Coast Air Quality Management District to do a pilot study for indoor air quality in schools in and around industrial and the oil refineries uh, outside of Carson, California. And it's wow. like, wow, that's like. So just really- for reference, where, what, what year was this roughly? Just for reference, like what, how long ago are we? Is this like early? Yeah, this is the in the nineties. Nineties, okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I know forty years. It's like I know what's you know yeah because yeah. I think I'm I'm thinking of like energy crisis, buildings get tighter. You know where I was trying to figure out in my head where in the timeline that all fits. So yeah, buildings were already tight by the time you came to that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, just just a, a little side note. I, yeah. I was involved in the building boom in the early eighties when we were doing multi-family. I mean, single-family homes. By the hundreds, I'd get on a track that was 300 houses and we'd start with the models and we'd go up the street and down and around the corner and people are moving into the first house. I mean, so it was all like high, high production. And then I look back and I'm like, that's inventory now because it was just blow and go. I mean, just as fast as you could. And, and looking back at how, you know, they, they were poorly designed. And they were designed just for production. I'm looking back now and saying, oh, if I only knew then what I knew now. But uh, anyway, so fast forward, uh, uh, this RFP, Request for Proposal with the South Coast Air Quality Management District. I'd always already been working with the filter manufacturer. Uh, I already had, you know, a good grasp on building science and mechanical. And so I answered the RFP. And so it was, uh, it was, time sensitive it was due like on a friday yeah. afternoon at the at 12 noon and we you know this is pretty extensive and so we put it together and i delivered it at 11:59 to the south coast air quality management <laughs> district and so several months it went by and then they did an rfi um, request for more information and so we just answered the question and now we were coming at it from a different angle even though i was involved with a filter manufacturer uh, everybody else was coming at it from a equipment manufacturer's point of view, if you will. And so um, we finally got that that uh, that letter in the mail saying we got the project. And wow. so I, little old me, beat United Technologies. Wow. Which is the carrier. Yes, of course. Of they course. were deemed technologically unable to do the job because they were so focused on just equipment and and their products and weren't willing to look outside the box and so uh i landed that project it it was it was about a year and a half 
the contract was awarded for $1.4 million. And it was quite a feather in my cap. Certainly. And, and Certainly. I was on the fast track to learn because when you're working with a, a, a quasi-government agency like the, yeah. the Air Quality Management District, man, they got some smart people. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I got uh, Dr. Phil, Philip Fine. He has a, a, a PhD in atmospheric science and, and plus some other ones. And, and then everybody in the room is like, you know, I kind of started to feel kind of kind of small, if you will. But I, I'm a sponge. I started absorbing and absorbing and working with some CIHs and trying to bring the building science. And, and then just like the results were just phenomenal. They were, we, re, we exceeded any expectations. And, and then from there, uh, they had uh, RFPs to start outfitting schools based on the results that we got. Wow. So I, I probably outfitted 20 schools. Wow. And so each one of those had a, a contract attached. And so I'd like, I'd like to share that with me because a, yeah. a lot of people say, you know, well, you know, there's no money in it, but every one of those contracts were one, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars. So, so now fast a, forward to today, there's money in it now, right? Through the CARES Act, there is still money available to school districts in some capacity to help them improve right? And, and their yes, systems. That's a tricky conversation. Mark. Yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> because as you know, there, you know, they, uh, everything was happening so fast and, and kind of knee jerk reactions mm -hmm. rather than slowing it down and like, let's do some real stuff. And a lot of products were being thrown at schools. And, and now because of that, there are some lawsuits, uh, there's a school district in Minnesota that spent $600,000 on products they got put in place. And then after they got put in place, someone started doing some research and figured out, well, that's not the best approach and actually had the installing contractor come and take them all out. Wow. Wow. And, and, and so there's stories like that. And uh, yeah. you know, just it, not... It and then from everything you've learned and all the, you know, and you're in your professional, you know, development here and that story you just told about having those contracts early on with the school systems in Southern California, like, you know, the building science approach probably is you have to, you know, it ties into this, right? I mean, there, there are legitimate, there's solutions, right? And you have to apply the solutions correctly to the actual building and to the occupants, correct? I mean, that's everything, every one of them is different, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we were working uh, in some older schools uh, that were like old Navy facilities that they retrofit and turned into schools. And so you've got, mm -hmm. you know, you've got asbestos wrapped ducts, I mean, pipes, and you've got, you know, mineral rock wool, you know, the old stuff, uh, you know, and so uh, all those. So the, the thing is, it, it's physics. Physics never changes. Mm -hmm. uh, we can slow it down or alter it, but it's, you're not going to stop it. And so uh, we, we, we preach that the whole house is a system. Well, it, it crosses over into the commercial side too. The whole building is a system. And so looking at those building science and mechanical principles and how everything affects everything and, and they, mm -hmm. they either dovetail together or they don't. And so mm -hmm. those are, you know, we, all, we have to keep that at the forefront when we're looking, we just can't throw a product or think that, you know, one, one, one approach is going to fix everything because you do one thing and it affects another and it could yes. be positive or negative. So yeah. try to keep that. Yeah. You know, yeah. Let's come back to that in a minute. So uh, again, back to your experience, do you recall what your first 
residential job was to, or in the long line, not, not be the first, but early on when you were still learning and you got into like a family, maybe a family was not or sick or, or concerned about their IQ. And, you know, what was that? Do you, do you recall a particular job when you first were getting started and how that like, get, can you kind of tell us a little bit of a story here about how, what, what, and maybe it actually helped shape you going forward about feelings and, and legitimate, you know, the people are suffering. Uh, yeah, so early, early on working with this uh, filter manufacturer, uh, mm-hmm. they, they started sending me projects and uh, just going in and, uh, you know, uh, of course, approaching it from an HVAC standpoint mm-hmm. uh, w- with the building science principles, but just the first time going in and having somebody really emotional. And of course, um, I, I was still cutting my teeth. And, uh, you know, so we, we really leaned on, on the HVAC system and filtration. Uh, and just that, that connection. So, you know, uh, especially parents with children are, are mm-hmm. just emotionally in, connected. And, and then, so then having that connection and then doing what we did, even, even early on and then seeing the results and then all we were doing is going after particulates, uh, you know, cause that was, that was our primary focus was the filtration aspect sure. and then seeing those results. And then, you know, I, I there's so many stories, but early yeah. on, just going in and, and, and like, oh my goodness, my, my child or, or family member is doing so much better. And you walk in and you get hugs and, you know, you get Christmas cards and just really the, that human connection is just really kind of yeah. what grabbed me. And so, uh, yeah. And, and then as, as I went, you know, further on, I started to meet other people. And so I, I met, I met my associate Gene Sperling. He's a respiratory pharmacist by trade. He got his degree in pharmacology from the University of Oklahoma. And so he was a brick and mortar pharmaceutical pharmacy, but his emphasis was respiratory. And so he just got tired of seeing what the pharmaceutical industry was doing. New drugs, new things. Hey, you know, try this, try this. You know, hey, I got a new one. Can you know, try this because it's free uh, R&D for them. He just got tired of that and shut down his brick and mortar. He got more into the pharmaceutical auditing. And then he said, I'm going to get in the field. He found myself and some other um, of my associates and said, John, I really want to get into the building science and the mechanical and everything. So we, we pointed him towards some training and then he came back. And so because he's got a PhD in pharmacology, he had formed some relationships with some uh, doctors in uh, immunology, oncology, and um, allergists. And so early on, he started, you know, and and these were relationships he had from his pharmacy business. And so he, he tried, he started to explain to them what our approach was in changing indoor environments and the impact that it has on their medical conditions. And so after about two years working with him, we had a relationship with the LA Children's Hospital, USC Medical Center, UCLA Medical Center, and several prominent practices in and around Los Angeles and Beverly Hills. And so his expertise really just, just exploded because I really got to take that deeper look into the medical side of things. And, and, and what that meant as, uh, you know, cause we talk about indoor air quality, it's more than that. We are changing environments completely. So yes, the air is part of it, but yeah. when we start looking at at moisture removal and uh, uh, building, we're 
pressures and all, all that, all those aspects, we change environments. So it's not, you, you might even say we're in the indoor environmental. Correct. Zone. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yep. So, um, so that was yeah, like a marriage made in heaven, honestly, that knowledge you had access to and learned from your partner there. I mean, I mean, that honestly, not the everyday average contractor has that access to that kind of person with that information, honestly. Yes. And I'm often asked, hey, John, is, is what you did in your career scalable? And that's a tough question to answer because everybody's yeah. looking at a plug and play. Yeah, just plug it in and go. Uh, it took a lot of shaking hands, meeting people and and hanging out with the right people. I, I was so blessed. I got to hang out with some of the brightest minds in the building science industry that were actually writing standards for BPI. And they were super proctors and trained the trainers. And these, these guys took me under their wing and said, hey, John, come on, let's go play. And they're going to, these, these, are, these are associates of mine that would go hang out with Bill Nye, the science guy, yeah. and fix his house. <laughs> and, and, then, and then Bill Nye had this rivalry with Ed Begley Jr. to see whose house could be the most scientific and green and clean. And, and, and so... Yeah. Scalable. You know, that's a really, really good question because actually some of my thought process and thinking about talking today is actually that because you know, our trade is going through a transition. It has been for some time. A lot of people are leaving it. We have a whole new generation of folks coming in with all different kinds of backgrounds coming into this trade. And, you know, if you go through a traditional trade school, most often they're creating mechanics, right? They're not talking about, you know, there's probably not a chapter about IAQ from what I've seen. I'd be curious to know if you've seen that at all. Yeah. But, but they're creating mechanics, right? First and foremost, which is, which is traditional. I, if, if, if it was my, if I had any, I mean, I would have a, uh, at least some sort of module or training on IAQ and some sort of module about how to talk to the homeowner, how to, how to take and educate a homeowner. But so with this, my, my thought process was, well, with this new generation of folks coming in and the lack of uh, IAQ training per se, and I, I'm going to go back to the, when, when you were selling for the filter company and, and some of your early, your early calls were based around filtration and particles, right? My question for you, is that, is that still relevant today? Well, yes, it is. Of, of course, because it's, uh, it's, I'm talking real rudimentary, right? So let's say a guy is just getting into the field, getting his feet, you know, filtration, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that like a, it's, it's, it's probably one of the easier opportunities for a, for a mechanic and HVAC guy to see or notice improvement can be made <laughs> yes but cause and effect action and reaction you yeah. can't just and so now we're because of my performance background you yeah can't, here it comes you know you can't just throw a filter in because it's you got you know the sticker the ultra allergenic you know from the big box store people throw those in and then they've got mechanical failures so uh, one thing about trade schools, it, it's kind of disappointing. And they totally discount the air side of things. It's all about theory and electrical and components and relays and refrigeration cycles. And, yes. and that's great. But none of that happens without airflow. None of it. Right. None of it. Right. No refrigeration yeah. cycle, no heat yeah. exchanges. Because what's the first thing you need to do before you even check the charge, right? You got to make sure the airflow is proper. Otherwise, everything else is off. When I do training, <laughs> so when I had my company, man, I had to browbeat my guys. It's like when you go to a service call, leave your freaking gauges in the truck. And, and I and I go out riding with technicians all the time. We're doing a maintenance. And, I'm, uh, and, and uh, so I, I forgot where I was. I think it was in uh, uh, Michigan. And we get there and the guy gets his tools. We, we, we talk to the customer and the first thing he does, he grabs his gauges and he heads to the connecting. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm going to check the charge. 
well, how, why? Well, that, that's just what I do. I'm like, maybe you want to look at the filter first because if it's clogged, it's going to skew your it's going to skew your uh, your refrigerant readings and trick you into thinking it needs more refrigerant. That's the biggest thing, and people just like load it up. Right. So anyway, that's that's a uh, discussion yeah no the- it's all it's all <laughs> that's why i was asking so the mo- one of the most but my point was mo- one of the most rudimentary solutions right is looking at particles it is looking at how can we how can we lower the particulate count in the space right yeah. and i think over the past couple of years especially you got a lot of homeowners out there doing their own research and they'll go to the big box store and guess what they take that fiberglass filter that was out and they go grab something that they see on the shelf that could be who knows what stick it in their system and then next thing you know to your point they're having they're having heating and cooling problems you know and they don't know what yeah. what was the change right so so you bring up a really good point so you you know, cause and effect uh solutions you know if you're going to make a change think about the whole the entirety of the system right so sure. to your point you just can't go sticking in a merv 13 air filter and, and walk away you have to it's got to be designed in the <laughs> yeah. system and as we yeah. know what have you seen in most ductworks and the systems predominantly in design that you've come across in your, in yeah. your experience? Uh, undersized and leaky and yeah, equipment oversized and under delivering and it, 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 it's across the nation. You know, um, 90, I think it was like 92% of all systems, uh, existing systems uh, don't have enough return air right out of the mm-hmm. gate. I mean, if you just want to look at that side of things and then once you go to the other side, it's yeah. pretty much the same. And then when I, like I mentioned, I was doing, you know, 300 holes at a time. Yeah. yeah. Those were all undersized ductworks because they, they were doing it just the minimum. And yeah. So uh, that's something. So, uh, you know, you talk about filtration and um, a, as being something that a, a technician, it, it should be pretty simple to look at. 